Hi everyone, Sammy here. Just a really quick little heads up before you jump into this podcast. Had a few audio issues in both the recording and the editing of this one. I do apologize. I've done the best I can to bring you the highest quality possible, but there are a couple little blemishes here and there, but please forgive me. We're doing our best over Discord and that brings with it its own set of issues, but we are getting through it as best we can. Hope everyone's staying healthy and happy and please enjoy the podcast but apologies for any slight audio blemishes that are in there all the best hello 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 sammy here from the gateway team just letting you know how much we all appreciate your love and support over the last few seasons of gateway and just letting you know that you can help us by heading to our newly established patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash gateway to anime Every little bit helps, and we really appreciate any love and support that you can find. You can also, of course, find us on all social media platforms if you search Gateway to Anime. And please go and check out our website at www.gatewaytoanime.com. If you have the time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, once again, such a massive help. Something feels like doesn't help, but helps us massively. So if you have the time, please do. Thanks again for your love and support. Ah, hello, 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 and welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are we all? What's going on, Charlie? How are you? What's up? How's lockdown treating you? Hello, lockdown has treated me with a lot of beer and a lot of anime. So I think I said the same thing last week and it hasn't much changed. So yeah, I'm good. I did a bit of yoga. Well, Just count that counts, right? It's fine. <laughs> wow. Every little win counts. Every little yeah. win counts in lockdown. Did some that's stretching. how you need to take that's how you need to, to, to handle this, you know? Graham, mm-hmm. my friend, how are you? Pretty good. I have stopped shaving most of my body during lockdown. Because what's the point? <laughs> you Amen. I got enough of no one to please and no one to see. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. So, yes, we are still in Sydney. Obviously, we've been locked down, so we ain't leaving anytime soon. Lockdown had just been extended by another two weeks at the time of recording this podcast. I don't think we're going to be leaving ever again. Like, like. (laughs) (laughs) We live in our houses now. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. (laughs) That's how it goes. Anyway, we're still delivering pretty trash content, so... (laughs) Be, be ready for that, everybody, because this week we are talking about sci-fi anime. Sci-fi, a very, very exciting topic, one which is very dear to your heart, I believe, Mr. Graham. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool nerd, so I've been looking forward to this one. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, And I thought you liked Slice in. of Life, Graham. I thought that was your thing. <laughs> yeah, cute girls if doing cute things. That's your vibe, bro. Take Slice of Life and put it in space. Sold. Sold. There's got to be one, Sam. You know, that's a challenge. Challenge accepted. In fact, I can think of one. It's called Planets. You should watch it. It's good. All right. Okay. Got one already. (laughs) Well, we had the the Gundam host club as well as, you know, there's something out there. The Gundam host club. Don't tease me like that. I'm still triggered by Aura not getting a season two. This is true. Okay. Well, I'm just going to jump in with a little bit of sort of technical sci-fi history. I'm not going to bore you all too much. Don't worry. I'm just going to just clear the air and set some parameters here. So the literary genre of science fiction is diverse and its exact definition remains rather disputed among scholars and fans alike. There are two camps of thought about the origins of sci-fi. 
One school believes the first ever work of literary fiction, the Epic of Gilgamesh, is to be considered a sci-fi due to its fantastical elements. The second school argues that sci-fi only became possible after the 17th century following scientific revolutions and major discoveries in the fields of physics, mathematics, and astronomy. Origins aside, the science fiction genre developed and boomed in the 20th century as the deep integration of science and inventions into daily life encouraged a greater interest in literature that explored the relationship between technology, society, and the individual. Scholar Robert Scholes calls the history of science fiction, and I quote, the history of humanity's changing attitudes towards space and time, the history of our growing understanding of the universe and the position of our species within that universe. As I think I mentioned during the Manga vs. Comics episode, your first ever episode, actually, Graham. If you want uh, to talk yes, early... I remember it well. Yes, <laughs> indeed. So I think I mentioned it back in that episode. A very early Japanese tale is the tale of Urashima Taro, which involved time travel and could actually be considered an early forefather of science fiction and even isekai. So the story is about a young fisherman named Urashima Taro who visits an undersea palace and stays there for three days. After returning to his home village, he finds himself 300 years in the future where he has long forgotten his house in ruins and his family long dead. It's been a tale which has been used a lot of times, but that was the first time in Japanese literature that it was told and it was quite some time ago. There's also the 10th century Japanese story, The Tale of the Bamboo Cutter, which may also be considered proto-science fiction. So the protagonist of the story, Kaguya Hime, was a princess from the moon who is sent to Earth for safety during a celestial war and is duly found by a bamboo cutter in Japan and taken in and lives with him. She is later taken back to the moon by her real extraterrestrial family and a manuscript illustration actually depicts a round flying machine similar to a flying saucer. Sam, I like how you're like, it could be considered a sci-fi and then just delivered the most sci-fi, like, she's from the moon. And like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I Isn't reckon it is. Isn't hey. plot to Baruto? <laughs> it is actually the plot in Naruto. Is that based on that? That probably is. I mean, it's a 10th century story of Japanese literature, so I'm sure it probably has been referenced by everybody It at is, some though. Point, What's her name? Kaguya. Kaguya. Kaguya, yeah. And also, yeah, Kaguya Hime. That's the name of the protagonist of the story. Yeah, yeah. holy shit. Kishimoto, Guys. the thief, sir. The thief. <laughs> so Naruto's now a sci-fi, um, in case you were wondering. Naruto is a sci-fi, and let me tell you, it fucking sucks. So don't watch Baruto, anybody. That happened anyway. in Naruto. Uh, <laughs> It's true. <laughs> you take that back. I accepted it then. I accepted it then. I'm not now. I'm done with it now. So, yes. So, into a more modern context, let's talk about the first fully considered sci-fi writers are considered to be Jules Verne, with such novels as Journey to the Centre of the Earth in 1864, From the Earth to the Moon, 1865, and, of course, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in 1869. L. Sprague de Camp calls Jules Verne the world's first full-time science fiction novelist. I'm sure there's much debate and there is much debate about this, but let's just, for simplicity's sake, say that this is essentially where the first science fiction writers began to be recognised as such. The other one, of course, is H.G. Wells, with such novels as The Time Machine, 1895, The War of the Worlds, 1898. Also came with it one of the first major uses or gratuitous uses of Deus Ex Machina in any novel ever. The other novel which is considered to be the first modern sci-fi is actually Mary Wollastoncraft Shelley's Frankenstein, which came out in 1818. So yeah, pretty early stuff. Sci-fi. So she's, you know, widely considered to be- Why is that sci-fi? As I said mad before, scientist it's not- Yeah, I was going to say science. Yeah. yeah. In my head, I yeah, guess science fiction just- had to have like space and future, but I guess it doesn't. Yeah. It's a science. It doesn't. And it's, it's actually a common misconception with sci-fi. And I think it's something that's 
come into more modern time is that it needs to be space. And like it often is. But as I said before, it's basically about humanity's connection with technology and science. So it is actually a rather broad, like, for example, Psycho Pass is considered a sci-fi, despite them never going near space or space even being mentioned whatsoever. But because it's futuristic, Blade Runner, also a sci-fi, even though they never go into space. I mean, they mention space, but it's not. Do they have spaceships in Blade Runner? They do. But not. In the movie. Right. They have flying cars. They talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's futuristic, but it's, and yes, yeah, space is amongst it, but it's not set in space. Yeah. But yes, obviously it's a sci-fi. What I'm trying to say is that it's not, sci-fi doesn't mean space, which mm. is a common misconception, I think. Anyway, to tell us more about that, because this is not my field of expertise, Graham, why don't you tell us a little bit about more modern sci-fi, how it's become more ingrained in pop culture, and of course the two big Western TV, well, one film series and one TV show, I think you can all guess what they might be. Why don't you just tell us a bit about that, Graham? Yeah. One other little thing about Margaret Shelley, Frankenstein. Mary Shelley. Wollaston Craft Shelley. I don't know why I always think it's Margaret. I don't know. That was actually, (laughs) she wrote that book as a bet with some other writers. Lord Byron as well was amongst the people betting, and she was the only one to actually finish her book and actually win the bet with like Lord Byron and a bunch of other prolific writers of the day. And wow, it really? What was yeah, the bet? it was written during, it was probably something about wine and drink and all this other sort of stuff, mm. but it was actually written during a period in the UK. I think it's called something called like the Black Summer, because back in those times, Industrial Revolution, there was a lot of smog and stuff. So there was literally like a whole summer, pretty much like, you like know, Sydney. the forest fires. <laughs> yeah, where they just had no <laughs> summer. So everyone was just kept indoors. And a bunch of authors who were living in an estate at the time decided to write, you know, the most fantastical book they could come up with. And whoever was the winner would win some fabulous prize. But it turned out to be Shelley and Frankenstein. So what I'm hearing is that we should make a bet now that we're stuck inside about who could write the most fantastical story. I think we should all write a slice of life. (laughs) Space story. (laughs) Slice of life story. Mm. So... If we're talking about modern sci-fi, you can either... The first sort of science fiction, quote-unquote, television show was a an adaptation of a, a Czechoslovakian play called Ruhr. That was, like, on the BBC in, like, 1938, which was about men from Mars, all that sort of thing. And then I think the next one, Captain Video and his Video Rangers, that was, like, an American TV show. It's kind of like the X-Men. There's like a band of kids led by like a weird scientist and they like solve mysteries and crimes and protect the world and type of stuff like that. Black and white, old as shit, so probably doesn't stand up. Seen a fair bit of it. And then from there, you start getting more genre type shows. So you get like The Twilight Zone, The Outer Limits, that sort of stuff. So short anthology, sort of similar to like the pulp stories you would get in magazines, but they were just sort of televised. And then funnily enough, the next sort of thing comes along in 1962 is The Jetsons, Mm. which predates a lot of like science fiction that we, you know, hold up. So The Jetsons, if you don't know, Hanna-Barbera cartoon about a family living in the future with flying cars and robot maids and stuff. And they also predicted a lot of technology we have today. So they predicted like flat screen TVs, treadmills, video calls like we're doing now, computer viruses, weirdly, like a lot of stuff that you'd be like, ah, eh. But like 1962. And then I think once we're out of that sort of phase, the next sort of big science fiction thing that happens is Doctor Who in, the, in Britain. Of course, which, of course. Which I think is the, the longest running television show of all time at this point. So from 19, 
63 to 2021 like it's never really stopped so yeah that's huge and that's about a, a an alien who travels through space and time getting up to shenanigans are you a doctor who guy graham yes who's the best doctor <sighs> Sorry. It's probably David Tennant. Like, if you're talking about the person who sort of reignited it and brought it back into sort of the modern lexicon or modern pop culture, it's David Tennant. Um, no, that's fair. Matt Smith He's the only is one great. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Oh no, I like Christopher Eccleston. Um, I watched that season though. So that's probably why. Yeah. Look, Christopher Eccleston has he sort of portrays the Doctor as a sort of like he's almost like a Vietnam War vet because after his character is supposed to come back after like the Time War. So he's like the wounded sort of guy who can't trust anyone who's like, you know, a loner and then who learns to like love again. So it's Eccleston's good. But yeah, for me, Tennant, he's crushed it and he brought it back to life pretty much. So you got to give it up to that man. Uh, and then, oh, it's phenomenal. One of the greatest. I mean, what was that show on Mar- that Marvel show he did? Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Fuck, he, he slaps in that. Like, it's so good. Kilgrave. Yeah. What a bad I guy. Love, what a bad I guy. Love- David Tennant a lot to the point where I problematically was like, I have a crush on Kilgrey. And then I watched it and was like, nope, <laughs> no, I don't. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. And then once the sort of dust settles from that, and then 1966, you've got one of the one of the pillars of the sci-fi sort of genre, which is Star Trek in 1966 by um, the great bird of the universe, as he used to call himself, Gene Roddenberry. Show about a multiracial guess you could say they're like space cowboys almost in a way more than anything else they go through the universe showing up on random planets and telling people their bible is a lie which is most episodes is them just shitting on other people's cultures while telling them not to interfere with cultures that obviously that's a huge sort of milestone in the sort of modern science fiction genre that's that spawns seven different tv shows 15 movies Animated shows, books, TVs, cartoons, merchandise, the whole the whole sort of thing, really. And then really is like sort of shapes minds as well. Like I think in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, like the amount of people that were working in like NASA, whose inspiration was Star Trek or, you know, people who wanted to be astronomers and just go into the fields of science was like, that was a huge sort of inspiration for like a generation almost. And then the next sort of one is the, what I like to call, it's like rock and roll sci-fi. It's Star Wars. Like it's not of your course. nerd sci-fi. It's it's cool sci-fi. It's space wizards and laser swords and, you know, Darth Vader at a Queen concert, you know, that type of stuff. <laughs> so, but again, another, another huge, like birth, one of the biggest franchises of all time is still going today still beloved, deserves its place in history. I'm still more of a, a Star Trek guy myself because I'm just a little bit nerdier than the most. But um, yeah, I mean, everything sort of sort of explodes from there, really. You've got Stargate and a whole myriad of movies, TV shows. But I think if you're looking at the most influential, it's probably Star Trek and Star Wars mm. that brings it into like the modern sort of the culture or birthing pop culture even almost. They're like the yeah. big space adventure ones as well, like Star Trek, Star Wars, yeah. like vast universes, that kind of thing. Because I feel like the other, the flip side of sci-fi is like a bit more quiet existential kind of things as well. Yeah. Like have we gone too far? Like those kind of, where I feel like the Star Trek and Star Wars are the other side of that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you, you're talking about before that you've got like Outer Limits and stuff like that where it is all, you know, it's like what happens and a bomb goes off or if we crash on a planet and we're left to survive by ourselves and stuff, there's mm. a lot of foreboding or even like hesitancy to even like talk about science in like a positive light yeah and then comes like star trek where it's like no no we're gonna be okay we're gonna 
we're going to put aside our like petty differences. We're not going to care about race. We're going to solve world hunger. No one's going to be sick. And we're just going to go out there and just explore and, you know, spread goodwill, which I think is kind Who's of missing from my like modern sci-fi. Best captain? Jean-Luc Picard, probably. Depends on the situation. If you go in a war, you want Benjamin Sisko. But that's just another topic <laughs> for another show. What if I just want yeah. a beer? Like having a good, what do I want a good time? Who do I want? Just a, you want a good a, time? A drink. <laughs> you want, you want, you want Captain Kirk. Yeah, I was angling no. for that. Of course I want Kirk. I was like. Yeah. You were angling for the, for the Kirk. Yeah. Answer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he'll have a couple of beers and then somehow he'll just end up with a ripped shirt and it'll be a good time. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Some right, men just so get it, you know? Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Right. So, Graham, tell us the, what anime show you've been watching in the sci-fi genre. So, I've been watching Space Dandy. It's made by one of our favorite studios, Studio Bones. You know, yes. Skate the Infinity and all that. I mean, you might have heard of that. Bing, 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 bing. Guys, guys, Skate the Infinity <laughs> Season 2 announced, by the way. Did you see that? I know. Oh, yes. We didn't put up a post on our socials. In fact, we should all quit. because That's embarrassing. <laughs> how, did we, how did we miss that opportunity? Oh, we'll, we'll just be doing the deep dive anyway when Season 2 starts. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, if anyone thinks that there's not going to be a full Skate the Infinity episode, they haven't listened to this podcast. <laughs> I tell you, no that's idea. happening. It's happening. So... As I said, it was produced by Studio Bones. It's co-created by uh, Shingo Natsumi. And uh, I might butcher this name. So Shinjiro Watanabe. I can't say his first name. Shinjiro. Shinjiro. He's like the director of Cowboy Bebop, Macross, Samurai, Champloon, this is as well. I'm correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Kids on the yeah. Slope, Terror in Resonance. All oh, right. Damn. Yeah. So this show is pretty wild. You, you kind of like, as I was said, mentioned to Sam earlier, it's got some real right Rick and Morty vibes to it. Like there's some real like some twists and turns and some really like abstract sort of sci-fi going on. But loosely, the plot is centered around Dandy, who is a space dandy. That's how he describes himself. It's, uh, <laughs> but never explains what a dandy is. He lives in a universe where there's not really that much well there is work but his sort of field of work is he's a bounty hunter but he's a bounty hunter for alien species that hasn't been discovered so if he finds a alien he drags it back and then he gets some sort of cash reward which is loosely what the show is about but he never really seems to be doing his job and each episode is kind of self-contained like he's died in like multiple episodes where you think oh I wonder how he comes back to life in the next episode. And you just never explained. There's an episode where they're all, there's like a zombie apocalypse happened and he gets caught up in that. And you're like, oh, well, clearly he's going to find some sort of solution. But no, it just turns out he's going to try and make the best of his zombie life. And he starts eating yogurt and tries to work <laughs> out. And like, it just, it just ends. Like, you're like, oh, all right, okay. Yeah. And there's also like an evil empire that's hunting him, but he's completely oblivious to this at all times. And they keep like hatching all these brilliant schemes to catch him. And he sort of like evades them without even realizing it. And it's never actually explained why. They're after him either. Like it's just it's just this weird B, B story that doesn't connect with anything. It's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. It's funnier than K-On, that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> He's joined by two sort of sidekicks. One is his little robot called QT, who looks after the ship and you know, is he's the voice of reason. And then his other sidekick is a like a an alien who's a kind of a cat, but he doesn't like to be identified as a cat, even though he'll do the most cat things. Like he'll spend like an hour just batting at a hologram while everyone just remarks on how much of a cat he is. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. And it's got it's got some it's got some really bittersweet moments as well. 
and then just some zany balls to the wall sort of sci-fi elements to it. And it's also got some awesome quotes. Like I've written a few down here. This one is, uh, pancakes are too, are too sweet for the bitter pain consuming my heart. <laughs> awesome. Like, but it's totally irrelevant to what he was doing at the time. Like it's just, yeah. He's also obsessed with a Hooters like restaurant called boobies. <laughs> which which he describes as a restaurant, which I thought was just fucking top tier. By top tier. <laughs> oh my god. Restaurants. Restaurants. Come on. I've never thought of that. I'm, I'm a, and I was a male all my life. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Space Dandy. It's um it's got Rick and Morty sort of sci-fi vibes. It's got a lot of heart. The animation is is gorgeous and even the soundtrack as well, because it's you know, it's what's an abbey like the the musical choices are just phenomenal as well. What's the style of music in it out of interest? Is it There's a lot of like again, there's a lot of like jazz, sort of freestyle sort of jazz stuff, but then there's a lot of bit of like rockabilly type style mm. stuff in there as well. And it all sort of blends together with that sort of space opera western style sort of world that they're sort of going for. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good palate cleanser after like slice of life. <laughs> <laughs> this is never gonna forgive us for K-On. I just because there's so many there's so much quality slice of life out there. And then I got the one that's like the least keyed into my interests ever. So yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we shall not forget. <laughs> well, speaking of space westerns, uh, I should probably go, right? Yeah. Yes, please, Charlotte. Yes. All right, cool. Well, it's funny because when I think of anime and sci-fi, I think of one of two things. I think either Mecca or I think Space Western. And I feel like that could also be translated into Western as in like Western movies, things like that. So when I think of, you know, The Mandalorian, Firefly, Cowboy Bebop, those like really famous sci-fi things, it's funny that I'd never put together that one of my favorite animes from the 90s was a space western, even though it so clearly is. And I'm, of course, talking about Trigun, which yes. as soon as I say it's out loud, it's like, of course that is a space western. It could not be more so. There's like saloons and all of this stuff. But I think that because the actual style of it, it's set, like it's a post-apocalyptic, set on a kind of like desolate, gross world. You've got this, you know, zany, kooky main character who is overpowered but doesn't ever show it. You've got all of the kind of markings of the classic space western, classic kind of style. Yeah, I guess because there's not spaceships, there's none of that kind of stuff. It's very much um, a bit more like industrial with their technology, even though there are like aliens literally in it. It's not a spoiler, that's a thing. So it's a thing where like in my head I hadn't quite put together that it was necessarily sci-fi as the first thing that popped into my head, but it absolutely is, and I was an idiot. So here we are talking about Trigun finally. One of my favorite shows and really got me into anime in about 2003, I think it actually aired in America. So we kind of got, you know, then about 2004 or five, I could go to Blockbuster and pick up the DVD and that's where I found it. But the actual original show started airing in 1998 in Japan. It is a Madhouse uh, production, I believe. Yes, it so, is. Yeah, and basically was on Adult Swim. I didn't have Foxtel. I wasn't rich. Don't don't at me. But um, yeah, it was on Adult <laughs> Swim for anyone in Australia who was rich. Looking at you, whoever. I'll tell you just the basic kind of plot line where we follow. Actually, interestingly enough, we follow two women who work on this planet that is quite. Uh, it's all styled like Western villages, towns, that kind of thing. Lots of dirt deserts. These two women work for an insurance company and they have been tasked to 
find this mysterious and outlawed criminal called Vash the Stampede who's got a $60 million bounty on his head. And basically there's a bunch of people that are out there to kill him to get the bounty, but these two women just want to do their job and make sure that he doesn't destroy any more towns because they're wanting to pay the insurance of all the damage that he's done. So I love that spin on it. We're not necessarily, like Vash is the main character, but we're also not actually following him in the anime. We're just following these two women trying to do their job. That's Millie and Meryl. They're great. Vash the Stampede, though, he is a classic, goofy, idiot character, but he looks very cool. He's got his long red coat. He's got his cool gun. And he's basically known as one of the most feared and dangerous gunman in the whole of this planet. So he's got a $60 million, he's got the highest bounty on his head. So the whole series, he's just dealing with 12 famous assassins hunting him down. But most of the time he, it's funny as uh, Graham was saying with Space Dandy, it's a similar thing where Vash doesn't come across like he's this total badass. It's almost like he's accidentally there or like he's accidentally dodging every bullet. He's doing all this stuff. He's kind of got that like deliberate idiot kind of cover. He's always just trying to like find a pretty woman or have a drink or just go for a dance or he's always doing something stupid. But in the meantime, like dodging all these bullets and doing all this cool stuff. And yeah, so you've got that kind of idiotic genius main character that is similar when I was watching it actually reminded me of Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy I was kind of like yeah it's a really um specific stereotype and I think that Nathan Fillion does it in Firefly as well so many people and what's interesting about Vash though is that no one ever dies that's a huge thing so this is another anime trope so he's the most deadly like most catastrophic things have happened around him there's been like places destroyed, like entire cities wiped out, but nobody has died, including all of the villains that he comes up against. And this is really similar to a show called Baroni Kenshin, which we've talked about, which has got Batosai, who's like the legendary swordsman who refuses to kill any of his, no matter how bad they get. And Vash is the same as that. That's his thing. So he doesn't kill anyone. And that can be problematic for the series, sometimes a bit annoying for the series because you're like, come on, just kill everyone. Like, I know you can do it. You know? <laughs> you're like, come on, man, just do it. And obviously, but just you, kill everyone, it's bro. funny because- they really dangle it in front of you because they're like, there's a bit where he's doing his like, ooh, like dodging the bullets, like, ah, uh, like I'm an idiot. But you just want him to like do something really cool because every time he does, it's so satisfying. Like when he like actually like shoots a gun and his hair's all down, it looks really cool and you're like, yes, you know, makes it worth it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Trigun, another reason to watch Trigun. It's, it is uh, just a warning for people who are not used to watching old anime. It's a 90s anime, so the style is incredibly specific to 90s. You got spiky hair, you got characters with ridiculous designs. I think it looks cool still. I actually love that aesthetic. To me, the soundtrack is probably the best thing about it. It's all slide guitars, hectic rock and roll. It's got one of the best openings of all time. When I was going to watch this again, when Sam told me, Sam assigned me this because I wouldn't have picked Trigun because I, again, was an idiot and didn't think it was sci-fi. So yeah, you were like, back is again. it really a sci-fi? I was like, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of space in that, <laughs> literally. Yeah, but when I was like, I showed it to my partner and I showed him the opening credits and he was just like, out of all the things that we have watched, why the hell have you never shown me this? Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But upon sitting down to watch it, it does, it is quite confusing. They throw you right into it. There's a lot of like world build that happens like around. It's actually a bit confusing, but a couple of episodes in, it makes a bit more sense. Uh, but it is funny. Like, and I really love Meryl and Millie, the two insurance ladies, just trying, trying the best and just finding themselves like forever stuck with this idiot guy who's just ruining all the towns and making their life a misery. So I recommend Trigon. Um, there's another character called Wolfwood, who's one of my favorite characters in anime history. He's like a badass priest. Won't he is a wicked character, him. isn't he? Yeah, but so is Vash. On this rewatch, actually, I remember I was always like, I like like Wolfwood because I'm mature. Not true. 
second I'm watching us again and I'm like, <laughs> man, Vash is pretty sick. Like I don't know why I didn't. Yeah, Guys, you should watch it. The opening scene will set it for you as well. There's a shootout that happens in a bar and I just think that if you watch that opening scene and the opening credits, you know exactly what you're signing up for. And I think if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, Firefly, you know, Cowboy Bebop, even Space Dandy by the sounds of it, you're going to like Trigon. Fortunately, the anime does stop after about 25 episodes and it didn't complete the manga. And from what I've heard, the manga basically starts getting good where the anime ends. So everyone's been screaming for a Trigon Brotherhood scenario. And they could call (laughs) it Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Well, they could call it it because like his twin brother, whose name is like Millions Knives, that's his name. Yeah, How knives. cool is that? It's Millions, a real, uh, knives. Yeah. Millions Knives and Vash the Stampede. Amazing. And they're twins. And you're like, bro, Brotherhood. Yeah, truck on Brotherhood. You know here. Make it happen. And let's give it to Bones. You know, let's let's really make this shit next level, <laughs> y'all. Let's, let's, let's put slam some, dunk put some this skateboards shit. on them and <laughs> let's, let's. Right. So. I feel like Madhouse could do it, couldn't yeah, they? Madhouse could do it. Just someone good, you know, hey, give it to you, Foldable. Why not? Like, <laughs> that's a- Oh, that just got done for tax invasion. Oh, again. yeah. Inve- sorry, tax invasion. Sorry, <laughs> sci-fi version of tax invasion. <laughs> it's invaded by tax. They force taxes on people. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right. So talking about- right, that's done. Yes, we're way. talking about <laughs> old school because I wanted to do a little bit of a mix here. As Charlotte said very accurately, the major thing when you think about sci-fi in anime is obviously mecha. But we're going to do a Mecha episode next season because that deserves its own thing. And it's such a specific genre, specific to anime, which needs its own episode. But there's a lot of sci-fi out there. And again, as I said, there's a lot of sci-fi out there which isn't even in space, like Psycho Pass, which we've already talked about in our Seinen episode in season one. But I wanted to talk about a little bit of a mix. So we got Space Dandy, which is relatively recent, about 10 years ago. For modern anime fans, that's old. But Charlotte, of course, in the 90s with Trigon, which is one of our both. You got me into Trigon, actually. I remember I hadn't seen it and you you were like dude you got to check it out and i watched it and i'm like oh this is sick yeah it took me ages to convince you because it wasn't naruto that's true i was again. at that point i was <laughs> Naruto's Sam's face. It's true it's true story like uh, sam was that you like there's only naruto so, bro there's if you're naruto or full metal alchemist i'm not interested y'all um <laughs> where are the kunais <laughs> guns space <laughs> yes kaguya hadn't been introduced in, in naruto at that point uh but and all this fucking bullshit crap that they're doing in Bruto now. But I am going to talk about what is very widely regarded. If you want to get real deep into the anime nerd world and you want to talk to the real proper elitists, this is the anime which always comes up. And this anime is from 1988. So we're getting old school here. This is called Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And for a very long time, this was the number one show on Mal. And for those of you, we've mentioned Mal many times, but just to reiterate, Mal is essentially IMDB of the anime world because you can go and rate anything. It's much more based on ratings than IMDB is. IMDB ratings are there, but no one really cares. Mal, it's a whole thing. It's... Yeah, my anime list, just so. Yeah, so you go in there and you basically go and create your own anime list of all the things that you've watched and you rate them accordingly. And everyone has one there. And then, of course, they aggregate all those scores and then you get what is the top 10, top, you know, top infinity. 
Gateway to Anime actually has its own My Anime list as well, which we've never talked about. We should go through it because it's mine. You and I did it when we were working together, and it's quite fun. And we need to, Charlotte, you need to do one. We wanted to do our personal one, but the Gateway to Anime one is currently mine, and it's uh, it's pretty awesome. So you should check it out. <laughs> is it just Naruto 10 out of 10? Like, it's just Naruto. Oh, Everything else is a two. All the Naruto movies? Yeah, like in order. <laughs> oh, <That's> please. <laughs> Cheap shop. I think we did, we did about... 500 600 animes yeah i've watched a like, lot of the anime. list is mm. the list is deep yeah. it's, Far uh, out. it's That's pretty wild good. when i actually put it out in front of me and i'll I was get like, on that whoa i have no life <laughs> i wasted my I life wasted i'll my do that life. instead of drinking this week <laughs> do it whilst <laughs> drinking why why not have both but yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so Legend of the Galactic Heroes, and this is OG, obviously 1988. It's based on the novel series by Yoshiki Tanaka, and the story is set in humanity's distant future where two interstellar states, the Monarchic Galactic Empire and the Democratic Free Planets Alliance, are interlocked in a never-ending war which has lasted over 150 years. The story follows the two protagonists and fierce rivals from each interstellar state, Reinhardt von Lohengram of the Galactic Empire and Yang Wenli of the Free Planets Alliance as they rise to their respective ranks to do epic battle with one another, holding the fate of their people in their hands. Reinhardt, from the Prussian-based Galactic Empire, is an ambitious military genius who is very swiftly rising through the ranks. He is of noble birth, but his family is at the bottom of the noble class, and as such, his father was forced into selling his daughter, Reinhardt's sister, to the Imperial Kaiser as a concubine. Reinhardt realizes from an early age that he needs power, so he joins the military with the aim of freeing his sister and to put an end to the corrupt Golden Balm dynasty, but also to defeat the Free Planets Alliance to unify the galaxy under his rule. To say he's ambitious is... An understatement. He's an ambitious young boy. His rival from the Free Planets Alliance, the genius Yang Wenli, has no such ambition as he only joined the military to put himself through college as he is also of rather low birth, but the class structure isn't anywhere near as rigid in the Free Planets Alliance. However, the only way to get free university is to join the military. So that's what he does. He actually wants to be a historian. So Despite his best efforts to skive off during his military training and nearly being kicked out multiple times, his brilliant strategic mind was recognized and he reluctantly ends up rapidly ascending the military ranks due to his brilliant tactics, leading the Alliance to win a number of decisive battles and conflicts they had almost no chance of winning. He becomes Reinhardt's fierce rival, though the two of them have the utmost respect for one another. Unlike Reinhardt, Yang becomes known for his underdog victories in overcoming seemingly impossible odds and mitigating casualties and damages due to his tactical brilliance. And one of my favorite quotes from Yang is, there are few wars between good and evil. Most are between one good and another good. There is also a third neutral power nominally attached to the Galactic Empire called the Fezan Dominion. And they're a planet state which trade with both powers and have no real interest in who wins, just furthering their own position by backing both sides. And there's also the Terrazium Cult, which uh, claims that humans should go back to Earth, which is on the rise throughout the galaxy. So they're they sort of play this kind of let's go back to basics, get out of this bullshit quagmire and head back to Earth. So that is Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And let me tell you, if you want to talk about janky, you want to talk about weird animation, oh man, it's tough. Like the animation is fucking dog shit because it's so, so old. But, like, and it's a huge <laughs> wow. turnoff for a lot of people apparently. It's, it's like <laughs> some of the facial expressions on some of the characters when they're meant to be in a really intense moment, they're just like smiling at someone. I'm like, what, why is this guy smiling? You're about to get just, you're about to die. It's um a little bit of a problem, but if you can get past the shitty animation, this has been one of the best things I've watched in a long time. There are 110 episodes. 
it's long and I'm I'm about 15. I've done 15 in like three days. I am smashing through this. Yes, I'm under lockdown. Yes, I got nothing to do, but I'm absolutely fucking loving it. And I'm going to finish this whole fucking Only 15? thing. I've wasted my life. I did 50 of Clannon <laughs> okay, in two days. Jesus, that's... <laughs> That's that's pretty fucking impressive, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was shit. <laughs> I was upset. It was a sad show. I was like, oh my god. The OVA. They actually there were OVAs. It's in nineteen eighty eight because it never actually got to TV at that point. This is sort of before T. I mean, TV animation was still a massive thing, but these were all original video animations. So it's by far the most famous. There's one hundred and ten episodes directed by Nobura Ishiguro, Matsushi Tahara, and Keizo Shimizu. And written by Shimeo Kawakawa. And at that point, there are actually several animation studios involved in the production, but the primary studio was Kitty Film, Mitsaka Studios, and Shaft. There have also been several films released as well as several mangas. But then recently, there was a remake entitled Dai New This Kaiko, so sort of a mixture of German and Japanese, and that was licensed by Crunchyroll and production by Production IG. And that aired actually in April from April 3rd, 2018, to June 26, 2018. And that's just 12 episodes, but what it did was cut out a lot of material. And it's obviously the animation looks fantastic. It's what everyone's been waiting for is like a really good adaptation of this with great animation because that's what it's missing. But what they did to make it kind of, you know, 12 episode short, sharp, you know, seasonal was cut out a lot of the material. So what's good about the original, despite how shit it looks, is just how fucking dense it is. And it's so cool because you follow both these characters equally. There isn't an antagonist, protagonist thing like Death Note. It's actually both are pure protagonists. And they're both really cool in their own way. Like Charlotte, you would love Yang because he's sleepy as shit. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like an anti-war guy. He sleeps in every Look, morning. He sounded good. He fucking. He like, sounded really good. He, like in he the, drinks brandy with his coffee. Like he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't want to be there. He just happens to be a genius and keeps getting promoted despite trying to quit all the time. Whereas Reinhardt's like a super intense, super brutal, like take no prisoners, will rise to the top of this hectic sort of, you know, early Prussian styled empire. And So you like him. Uh, no, He's I'm Yang, favorite. man. I'm Yang all the way, dude. <laughs> Yang is such a badass. Like, I fucking love him. <laughs> they're, but they're both great. All anyway, right. like I say, this is widely regarded and was the number one on Mal until Fullmetal Alchemist knocked it off its perch 10 years ago and has stayed there ever since and probably will stay there for a long time. Charlotte, your show, everyone about to take a shot because Charlotte's about to mention it, did knock it off for a brief moment there. What show was that, Charlotte? Yeah, guys, fruits basket. We'll say it loud. We'll say it proud. Um, how long was it? <laughs> how long was it actually <laughs> on top for? Yeah, well, good audit. Fucking huge. Well, we huge, the top, huge thing. You know? Huge thing, of course. No, huge, and also huge for a shojo. Probably never ever happened true. before with massive, a shojo. Massive thing. So Charlotte's been banging on about fruits basket. Everyone shoot for a long time, but. Even I'm going to have to, now that I'm in lockdown, I'm going to do it. But not until after I do all of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, because I'm telling you. Don't get my hopes up. I need someone to watch no, Fruits Basket. I'm, I'm going to go keen, crazy. Like, everyone, if I can impart this to you, it is the epitome of a space opera. The term space opera might as well have been invented for this show. Like, it is so epic. It's so big. It's Game of Thrones in space because it's all about the political dealings between both interstellar states. There's a huge cast. The cast is mental. Everyone's playing politics all the time. It's really interesting too because it's like it raises that interesting question of, you know, that, that theory of that the very best form of human government is actually a benevolent dictatorship, whereas like a democracy is the best for 
humanity as a whole, but when democracy fails, it's just as bad as any kind of autocracy. And that's the thing is that like the Free Planets Alliance presents itself as something which is actually not. Uh, the Galactic Empire also tries to be something that it's not. And you see all these really interesting like philosophical and political even systems going up against each other. And it's just a really wonderful study of humanism. And it's so fucking cool. I cannot stress how good this is. Yes, you got to get past some janky animation, but I am fucking into this and I'm so glad I'm on. And yes, the first episode is pretty shit and looks even worse. They're talking about this really epic space battle, doing all these crazy maneuvers and tactics. And then it's like, oh, I guess that was, I guess that was a good move. I guess that like- was it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the big drawback. But if you're into story and you're into epic political fucking space dramas, man, check this shit out. I cannot, I'm I'm all in. I know that I say this all the fucking time, so you're probably bored of me saying I like things, but like <laughs> oh my God. I'm fucking into it, y'all. And check it out. Legend of Galactic Heroes, the hype is real. And, you know, it's the thing. The hype this, is real from this 1989. Show, <laughs> this show is the ultimate, like, if you watch it, then you get some, like, serious clout. It's true. You know, you can be, like, one of those annoying people that, like, my favourite show is Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Like, you're like that kid in high school whose favourite movie was Donnie Darko. Like, it's, like, the same level of, like. <laughs> or Mulholland Drive or something. Yeah, totally. Something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, look, but you know what? Like, I got to watch it because I reckon I, I was that kid in high school. I'm probably that gal now. So I'll fucking watch it and I will <laughs> think that I'm better than everyone. Look, yeah. For a brief moment. It does, in the anime community, it does have a real stigma of being like all the wankers, like, try and beat you over the head with how you're not good enough until you've watched this show. And so I've never watched it before. But now that I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, I get it. Look, there's still, it's not perfect. There's some, you know, there's some narrative jumps and there are some big plot holes and stuff that I've already seen already. But like, Considering 1988, it's pretty fucking good, and I'm really excited to get our deeper favorite, into it. Sorry, our favorite anime YouTuber, Gigook, who everyone knows now, he calls Legends of the Galactic Heroes the anime final boss. <laughs> He's like, final boss anime. Yes. Well, so it's fair. It's, it's not I'm proud of watch. you for watching it, Sam. Yeah, I'm I, glad. I'm, I haven't yet. I'm so super stoked. It's not going to be as easy and as fun as Trigon or as kind of irreverent or like bombastic as Space Dandy, which you can just slam through. It's a bit of a, you know, it's, it's an undertaking. What you're telling me is there's no restaurants <laughs> in the Legend of the Galactic Heroes? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. And then if, to be honest, I've oh, just yeah. found my first criticism. Franchise, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, everybody, well, that is Gateway to Anime's sci-fi episodes. We've got three, actually three very different from three different decades, in fact. Go us. Uh, So, you know. No, I'm 1998 as well, mate. Oh, 1988. I was listening. That is old. Three different decades. We are hitting this up. It's an old show. It was before computers were involved in animation and compositing. And let me tell you, you can tell. But it's still such a great story. Because, again, it's based off novels. It's based off novels, so it's dense. And it's just really cool. Well, Graham, mate, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. I'd love to get your insight on sci-fi as a big sci-fi guy. Thank you for letting me ramble about Doctor Who. And it's about time. And various things. Yeah. Actually, Graham, before you Wait go. Gateway to Star Trek um, what, Is there any, if someone was <laughs> wanting to get into sci-fi, like not just live action kind of thing, is there anything that's come out like recently that you recommend watching and that you haven't mentioned already? Like that you think would be a good like gateway to sci-fi? That's a good question, actually. The thing about modern sci-fi, especially stuff that's coming out round about now and pandemic-y stuff is is very bleak. There is a little bleak edge to it. So if you're actually just looking for like shows that just give you a good time, like if you're a newbie, I would say something like Firefly, Mm. even though there's controversy with the director and stuff like that. But my partner is not a sci-fi 
watch her at all. What about she the loves Expanse? Firefly and stuff like that. I mean, The Expanse, yeah, hundred percent Expanse. Yeah, yeah, just nailed it. Forget everything it's I a just great said. Show. Watch I haven't Expanse. watched it. My favorite. I'm I'm a, I'm a Battlestar Galactica fangirl. So oh, so good. I think I probably yeah. like The yeah, Expanse. Expanse is fucking dope. Yeah, The Expanse is. It's got that same sort of Legend of the Galactic Heroes sort of like geopolitical sort of thing. It's Earth versus Mars versus the asteroid belts. There's there's twists and turns and alien technologies. Also based off novels, yeah? Very good show. Yeah. Yeah, it's based off a book series called mm. The Leviathan Chronicles, um, which was actually written by was written by a couple who are now wife and husband. I don't know what they're <laughs> and they Are you upset they got <laughs> married? Like <laughs> Yeah, it just it just doesn't the books kind of suffered. <laughs> they happy. actually had an ongoing bet with George R. R. Miller. No, what's his name? The guy wrote Game of Thrones? George R. R. Martin. Fuck, my, my brain isn't working. It's been a long day. When they first started writing their books after the first couple ones, they he only had the last book to come out, and they bet that they could finish their series before he wrote and released that book, which they did like literally like a month ago in May, I believe. They're... 10th book came out to finish the series. So they read oh 10 books gosh. in the space of time. Jesus. He wrote that one book. Yeah, yeah so, he's got a, a hard Yeah, up. watch The Expanse. I'll have to think that's more of a case of I will die and someone else can finish the work. Honestly, so, the one trend. Like Brendan Sanderson. The one something. trend I'm hearing <laughs> yeah. in this podcast is make a bet with people and you'll have success. Just <laughs> betting. <laughs> Just bet. Make bets, people. Make bets. <laughs> But not on sports that's, bet. That shit's fucked. It. Don't don't do don't do that. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody. Yeah, gambling sucks. It shouldn't <laughs> be involved in sport. Anyway, thank you so much, just, everybody. Just only literary bets. Okay? <laughs> only, only literary bets. It's the only thing allowed. <laughs> and about like you know, it's all that we're you writing a book. <laughs> Healthy, healthy, healthy literary healthy bets betting. to better yourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, guys. Always a pleasure. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you all next time. Later. Bye. Thank you.